ourselves a hand. You got out of bed this morning on this beautiful Sunday morning. We're so glad you're here. We do not underestimate getting out of bed because uh, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult task some days. But uh, thank God for sunny Sundays like today. Sunny Sundays, I think I just started something. Um, so today, if you were here last Sunday, you know that uh, we were going to start a series called Twisted, where we talk about some of the most misused scriptures in all the Bible. Um, and so we, we postponed that, and I spoke about remaining in Jesus, uh, just because we had gone to a conference, and I just had something fresh on my heart. And so this week, we've decided that we're going to start our Twisted series, and I hope that you're ready for that. But before we do, I've got just a few quick announcements, and that is that... Um, Next Sunday is Father's Day. Come on, fathers. Yeah? Yeah, Father's Day. And um, we, are, we are, first of all, we're having a barbecue for Dude Fest. And um, if you were here last year, we're going to do exactly what we did last year. Um, it's just so much fun. Um, we're, yeah, just trust me. You're going to see some things at the church that you um, probably haven't seen before. So, it's gonna be it's gonna be an amazing time, uh, and on top of Dude Fest, we are starting our uh, summer semester of small groups. And um, I don't know about you, but one of the best things about summer is getting together and hanging out with friends outside. Come on, like because we don't like to get outside and hang out with each other in the winter time. Uh, like, like we can. Because we're, we're Mainers, and we, we're, I mean, I'm never going to be a Mainer, but we live in Maine, so that's what we do. And um, the thing about summer small groups is these, this is the opportunity to get together at the lake with a bunch of friends. This is an opportunity to have barbecues with each other and just get together around God's Word at times. It doesn't have to always be around God's Word, but um, we want... we. We are kicking off small groups on Father's Day. And so in order to have small groups, you have, have to have people to lead those small groups. And so if you're interested in leading a small group, we have a small group leader training this Wednesday at the church office, which is my house, uh, 125 North Dorm Road. The details will be on refugemain.church this week. Go and check that out. Um, for any of our announcements, if you ever feel lost with, with all of our announcements, because sometimes all we do is play that quick two-minute video, go to refugemain.church slash this week and find out more. Go there and sign up for Summerfest. Summerfest is going to be an incredible time where we're sponsoring an inflatable park for Summerfest. Uh, we just need people to, uh, to man those inflatables. I think we need somewhere around uh, 12 people. Um, at a time, so we would love to get shifts because um, Summerfest goes until um, until the fireworks that start at 9.30 at night, and so we'd love to get shifts of people, um, so we're looking for um, at least three shifts of people, so that's uh, 24.36, right, so is, is my math correct on that? Um, so um, we would, and, and, and my wife is back there going more than that, so uh, we, we need people to sign up for uh, Summerfest. It's going to be an amazing opportunity that you won't miss out on. It's, it's seriously, it's going to be one of those times where you're going to look back and you're going to go, hey, how did Summerfest go? And we're going to be like, I'm so good at it. And then, and like, like, that's the only way to explain it. So 
I hope that you have the time to give, even if it's just 20, 30 minutes. Like, just, we'd, we'd love to, to have you there. Um, and I think that's, that's all I had before I uh, get started with today's message. So, uh, today, uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, we, want, we want to give you one. So, all you have to do is just raise your hand. Uh, we have a Bible that we want to give to you. Some, a, a church from Alabama gave us, uh, I think it was 60 plus Bibles. And um, we're giving them away until they're gone. Uh, you could have, like, you could have taken one last week, taken it home with you, and forgot it this week. We want to give you another one. Like, we just, we just want to make sure that you have God's word and that you don't miss out on anything today. Also, along those lines, if you feel the need to follow along in our notes, we've got the notes on the YouVersion Bible app. If you've downloaded a Bible, the the um, the likelihood of it being the YouVersion app is very, it's it's, it's very high. So um, get on your Bible app, go into the events portion, and then our, um, our notes should pop up under the Refuge Church. Now, you guys ready to open God's Word? Open God's Word to John chapter 14. And the, the Bible is written in two different sections, um, the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The, John is found in the New Testament. So if you go to the second part of the Bible... Um, if you find the book of Matthew, you're in a good spot. That's the beginning of the New Testament. And then you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John is the fourth gospel. John, if you get to Acts, you've gone too far. If you get to Romans, you've gone too far. So, uh, John chapter 14. I want to talk to you today about the subject of ask anything in my name. Ask anything in my name. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. That is true. Thank you, God, that we can that we can follow it. Thank you, God, that we can live it. Lord, I pray that that today's message would be one that would speak to the hearts of your people. And Father, for those that do not belong to you, for those that are that are, are lost, those that just feel like they're out there floating and that there's no purpose for them, God, I pray that you would help them to discover purpose in you today. I pray that they would discover the love that you have for them through your son, Jesus, that you gave him to die in their place, so that they could be called a child of God. Father, I pray that you would bless your word, that it would not return void as your word says, and that you would be with me as I speak it, because, Lord, we all know that I need your help. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You with me today? Yeah? All right. You guys ready? So, um... This is, again, if, if you're new here, this is an interactive experience. I want to make sure that, that you feel uh, comfortable laughing, crying, booing, although we don't welcome that. So, uh, like, like just, just hang with me and, and, and just know that uh, we, I, I, do, I do my best to be funny, but I'm not funny by nature, so I have to try really hard. And my daughter, like, lets me know how, how hard I try to be funny all the time because she's 12 and she thinks she's 18. And so um, I'm just warning you, I'm not naturally funny, but I try to be. So I hope that's okay. Um, man, are you sure you're with me today or am I just really falling flat? Um, ask me anything in my name. John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14, uh, it says this. It says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, and you may ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. So today we're talking about verses 
that are often used um, like misunderstood. They're, they're often used what I would call out of context. And we're going to talk about what that means in, in a moment. And so when I read, ask me anything in my name, whatever you ask in my name, so the Father may be glorified in the Son, you may ask me for anything, and in my name I will do it. That means that if I just pray to win the lottery, I'm going to win the lottery. Right? That's what that means. Or if I just pray that my son will be a professional baseball player someday, that because he is my retirement plan, like, that's going to happen. If I just ask it in Jesus' name, it's going to happen. If I just pray, God, please help Anna's heart to never be broken by a stupid boy. Because boys are stupid, and no dad wants their heart, their daughter's, their princess's heart to ever be broken. Like just, then, then that's going to happen. If I just ask it in God's name, it'll be done. Well, you know, there's, there's a story that I don't think I've shared with the refuge that, that much. And that is when, um, before Tanya and I started the refuge church, uh, I was on staff at a church called Orchardville Church in uh, Centralia, Illinois. And um, while we were there, our, our pastor, Pastor Mark Shell, was a godly man. He was a man that I looked up to. He was a hero. He was a, a man that uh, had given his, his life to the gospel. And uh, while we were there, Pastor Mark got cancerous. Uh, and we prayed as a church. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed, God, heal Pastor Mark in the name of Jesus. We pray that you would please just heal him in the name of Jesus and that he would be able to live a long life. He was only 58 years old. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed in Jesus' name that Pastor Mark would be healed. And on March 27, 2015, Pastor Mark died. But Mark chapter 14 says, if we ask anything in his name, it'll be done. So that must mean that this verse doesn't, it's not true, right? I mean, how in the world could God allow that to happen if this is what it says. And so obviously, this verse is true, but, but wh- like, how can it be true? Maybe, just maybe our application of what Jesus is saying here is twisted. Maybe we apply it and, and we think that it means this, but, but really, it doesn't mean that at all. And so, we're going to look at why that is today. But if we're going to look at why that is, then we have to, unfortunately, we have to take a trip back to my Bible college days. And we have to enter into a classroom called hermeneutics, which hermeneutics was known as the study is known as the study of interpreting scripture, the science of interpreting scripture. And so um, we're going back to my Bible college days where I had a professor by the name of Dr. Joseph Gleason. Dr. Joseph Gleason was a um, is an avid hunter. He's a great man. He was a great, one of my favorite professors in all of school. And um, he taught me three things about interpreting scripture that I want to teach you today the best way that I know how. And hopefully the, th- the things that I learned in my, my hermeneutics class will help us understand what this verse means. And the first thing that he taught me in um, 
in hermeneutics was, number one, context is important. Context is important. The word, the word context, if you take the word con and you break it down, the word con means with. So C-O-N, the, um, the prefix C-O-N means with. And so context means with the scripture or with that text. What goes with the text? And there's a lot of things that go with the text. Like who wrote the verse? Who wrote it? To whom they wrote it to? What was the theme that they were trying to get across? What were they trying to teach? What was it that, what was the reason that they were, that they were teaching it? And so in my hermeneutics class, Dr. Gleason taught us that context is important. And he also taught, taught us that proof text was a big no-no. Like, do, you cannot proof text anything, which means, so if con means with, with text, then proof text means that you're trying to prove something based on one verse. And so when we look at this verse in John chapter 14, and we say, see, if we ask it in God's name, in Jesus' name, then it'll be given to us. We're trying to, to prove something that, that we, we want to be true based on that one verse. And so we had to, I remember taking a quiz that would give us certain scenarios to go with each passage. And we would have to, um, we would actually uh, have to label each one proof text or context. And um, I, I, I guess I did okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm standing here today. So, um, and I, no one has said that I was horrible at doing that. And so um, it's important that we not proof text the passage. And let me, just, let me just take a quick time out and say, the reason we're talking about this today is because I believe that this verse can oftentimes be a hang-up for people in just believing in God. Like, we often, like, we'll pray, and we'll say, well, you know, I, I just, I don't believe in God because prayer doesn't work. And he says that it does. So that's why it's important. It's important that we understand really what, it, what, it, what he's saying here. And so Dr. Gleason taught me that context is important. Then he also taught me to compare scripture with scripture. So to look at the other scripture in the Bible that go along with the theme that you're, that you're looking at. And compare scripture with scripture. And here's why that's important. Because the Bible never contradicts itself. Never. It may seem like it does, but it doesn't. There, because when you dig down deep into it, when you compare Scripture with Scripture, it never contradicts itself. 66 books, all in one book called, that we call the Bible. 66 books. 40 different people that contributed to the Bible. One author. One author. And that's why it never contradicts itself, because God is the author of the Bible. Amen? And so, we have to compare Scripture with Scripture, not our feelings. Let me just tell you, if I were to, to compare my feelings with the Scripture, I would be in big trouble. There are things that when I read it, I go, what? Like, how is that true? I can't put my feelings into this book. Because... Sometimes I just have to say, okay, God, that's the way you say it is, and I have to believe that. 
Because God is God and I am not. And so I have to put my faith into what I read and I have to trust him and not, and I have to compare scripture with scripture, not my feelings, but what I look at on the page. So oftentimes I think our society is looking at the Bible in the, through the lens of their feelings. We read the Bible through the lens of our feelings and our own experiences. Well, that's not, that's not how it's happened for me. That must mean that it's not true. But the fact of the matter is, is if the, if the Bible is God's word, then he's the one that dictates it, not I. And so we have to, um, so that brings us to the third thing that Mr. Gleason uh, taught me. And so number one, context is important. Number two, compare scripture to scripture. Number three is to apply it to my life. Application is important. When I apply God's word to my life, it comes alive. Way back, like maybe three, four months ago, we did a series called It Is Written. By the way, all of our series, all of our messages that have ever been spoken at The Refuge are on our website. Um, if you go to refugemaine.church slash messages, you can listen to all of our messages. Also, um, on iTunes, you can uh, download those and listen to all of them. I hope that if you miss, like, and I understand when you when you miss church, but I hope that you go back and you listen to what you missed, and that way you don't miss out on anything. And so, um, way back we we did a, me- a series called "It Is Written," and uh, in that series we said this: we said something activates the words on the page. Do you remember what that was? It was belief. Belief activates the words on the page. When we actually believe what we read and we believe what we're putting into practice in our life, that's when this book comes alive. And so I challenge you, if you have a hard time believing in God, and I hope that some of you do, I hope that that's why you're here, because you're having a hard time with it. We want to help you with it. If you have a hard time believing the words on the page, that are living the words on the page, that are believing in God, just believe the words that you read and you put into practice and believe that it'll be true. Belief is what activates the word on the page. So we have to apply it in our lives. So context, scripture with scripture, and apply. So let's go back to John chapter 14, and let's look at it at the context. We're going to look at it from the context of John chapter 14, 14. So, um, the quick first question, who wrote the book of John? John, it's not a trick question. John wrote the book of John, right? So if John wrote the book of John, he also wrote, wrote John chapter 14. And then the question is, what is the theme of the book of John? What is the overall theme of the book of John? And I'll go ahead and give that one to you. The answer to that question is the theme of the book of John is John is wanting to prove that Jesus is the Son of God. He's trying to prove that Jesus is the Son of God. And now we have to dig a little deeper into the book of John, into John chapter 14. And we've read two of the verses. We've not looked at the whole chapter. But the question is, what is John trying to communicate in John chapter 14? In the beginning of John chapter 14... 
he's saying, remember, the overall theme of the whole book is that Jesus is the Son of God. And John is communicating in, at the beginning. He says, um, don't be afraid. In my Father's house, this is Jesus speaking. In my Father's house, there are many mansions, the King James says. We all like that word mansions, like, because we all want a mansion. Come on, somebody, right? And we're going to get to heaven, and there's many mansions. But the, the truth of the matter is, at the, at the literal interpretation of it, Jesus is saying there's many rooms. There's a lot of room for you. He's saying that there is a lot of room in my Father's house for everyone to be there. That's good. Like, that's better than a mansion, because I can go to, to, to God's house. I can go to God's kingdom. I can be a part of it. And so Jesus is saying there are many rooms. There's, there's enough room for all of you. It doesn't matter what you've done. There's room for you there. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare it just for you. I'm going there, and, 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 and you know what? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid that I'm leaving because it's about to get better. It's about to get so much better because I'm about to send you my friend known as the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to dwell amongst you. And when he dwells amongst you, he will dwell inside of you. And he will come and he will transform your life. And it will be better. It's about to get better, Jesus. So with that in mind, so oftentimes when we read scripture, we want to make the subject of the scripture us. And we want to make the Bible about us. What, what does it do for me? But the fact of the matter is, is that the Bible, the subject of the Bible isn't us. The subject of the Bible is God. We are the object of the Bible. And so we have to take God's word and we, we do get to apply it to our life. But we have to read it as him being the subject, not us. And so as we read this verse as God being the subject, keep that in mind in John 14, 13. We'll read it again. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Father may be glorified with his Son. So that the Father may be glorified in his Son. So that the Father may be glorified through his Son. Not that I would receive glory. Not that I would receive glory in the lottery that I'm about to win, because I'm about to get on my knees, I'm asking Jesus' name that he gives it to me. God doesn't answer our prayers for us. He answers our prayers for him. And for his glory. And this is a humongous piece of prayer that so many people often miss. Because it's not the way we want it to be. We want it to be about us. We're such a selfish society that we want it to be about us. But it's not. It's not about us. We think that God exists for us. And because he exists for us, we get to tell him the way things should be. But the fact of the matter is, when we tell God the way it should be, that makes us God and not him. We have no right to tell God what our life should look like. Because that makes us God and not Him. And that can be difficult. 
And now that we understand the context a little bit better, now we need to compare Scripture with Scripture. So I want to give you four things that God thinks about when he thinks about prayer. Four things that God that matter to God when we pray. Four things that matter to God when we pray. The first thing that I believe matters to God when we pray is our relationships. Our relationships matter to God when we pray. Look at Mark chapter 11, verse 24 through 25. If you don't have a Bible, and if you um, aren't following in your, on your phone, we've got, got it for you up here. Mark chapter 11, verse 24 through 25. It says, I tell you, you can pray for anything and that if you believe that you've received, if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone that you are holding a grudge against so that your father in heaven will forgive your sins too. God, help my son to be the best baseball player on his team, even though I hate his coach and I hate every kid on that team because he's the best. Probably not going to get me anywhere. Probably not going to get me anywhere. Um, God says you cannot love God and hate your brother. So if you want to, if you want to come to me with prayer, you better forgive your brothers and your sisters. You better get along with people. You better have right relationships before you come to me. I think what's great about this this verse is it's so easy for me to so easy for me to, to understand it because I'm a father. Picture with me, um, I'm going to use my kids as an example, and the reason I'm using my kids as an example is because my dad used me as an example, and because my dad used me as an example for all those years, I had the right to reuse my kids as an example. My dad was a pastor, by the way, I don't know if you guys knew that or not, but he is a pastor today, and he's still using me as an example. Hopefully I give him a better illustrations today than I did when I was 12 years old. Um, but my kids, picture with me Graham picking on Anna because it's a lot easier for you to picture Graham picking on Anna than Anna picking on Graham. Even though Anna does pick on Graham and when she does, it's nasty because she's a girl. But um, it's a lot easier, it's a lot easier for you to picture Graham picking on Anna. And so Graham is picking on Anna and he's, he's, He's just being grand. He's hogging the TV. He's eating all the snacks in the house. He's, he's hitting her with a pillow because he doesn't hit her with his hand. He's calling her names. He's in her room. He's nagging her, and she's yelling, Dad, Graham just keeps picking on me. And then later on in the evening, Graham comes to me and said, Hey, Dad, can my friend Ryan come and, come and hang out? Can my friend Ryan come spend the night? Dude. Get along with your sister before you want your friend to come over to the house. How about you try to get along with your sister first, and then we'll bring someone else into this picture. It's the same way with God. How can we go to God and ask him for anything for us if we can't get along with our brothers and our sisters? And so... Husbands, this is, uh, Father's Day is coming up, so I'm going to um, pick on the, the guys for a moment because the scripture does. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says, In the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is the equal partner in God's gifts of new life. 
Treat her as you should, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Men, love your wives as Christ loved the church, so that your prayers will be answered. So our relationships matter to God. When we look at prayer, we have to understand that our relationships matter to God. Second thing, the second thing that matters to God when it comes to our prayer is our motives. Our motives matter to God. In John chapter 4, verse 3, it says, And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. Because your motives are wrong. This was very common in Jesus' day. The religious Pharisees would stand on the corner and they would fast and they would pray so that they would get the spotlight. But guys, and so that they would be seen as religious. Your prayers don't make you religious. God looks out at your motives. And so, this is, this is my favorite one. Uh, God, please help that really pretty girl. She is so hot. Like, please help her to, to fall in love. I know she doesn't know you, and I know that she doesn't love you. I know that she doesn't follow you. But help her to love me so that I can show her you. So that she can come to know Jesus. Or, or even, even, even to top that, God, I promise if I just win the lottery, I will give it all to my church. This is my favorite one, actually. If I win the lottery, I'm going to give it to the church. My motives are right. Like, that's what I want to do. Proverbs 16.2 says, people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord looks at their motives. The Lord looks at our hearts. God knows our hearts. And so, first, our relationships matter. Second, our motives matter. And third, our faith matters. Our faith matters. In James 1, 6 through 7, it says, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person who is div with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave in the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Our faith matters. I told this story last week, and some of you weren't here, so I'll tell it again real quickly. Um, we went to a conference um, last week, two weeks ago, I guess, that um, when we were there, there were 1,200 men there, and it was Friday, it was Thursday, Friday, we came home on Saturday, and while we were there, they asked me to get up and to make the announcements on Friday and to pray for the day, and when I got up, I, I pray, prayed for the day, and I prayed because rain was in the forecast all day long, it was in, um, at Waterville Valley, New Hampshire, um, gorgeous scenery, but rain was in the forecast all day, and no one wanted it to rain because we, we weren't there to um, to spend time in the rain. So I prayed in Jesus' name, God, help it not to rain a drop in front of 1,200 men. And like I said last week, I was like, what just came out of my mouth when I said that, even though I believed it in my heart that he could do it. And guess what? He did. It didn't rain that day, which is incredible. But at the end of it, I was kind of like, whoa, that actually worked. Thank you, Jesus. And it's funny because, like, even in the midst of our faith, we can find a way to doubt sometimes. But I want you to know this morning that, that faith works. It really does. 
But if, I'm, if you're taking notes and you've written these things down, then, then, then it sounds like, Pastor Adam, if, if my relationships are good, if my motives are pure, and if I ask with faith, then I'm going to the casino after church today. And I'm going to hit the jackpot because I'm just going to ask God and it's going to be done because my relationships are good. I have the faith I'm going to do it. I have the faith that God's going to do it for me. And I have the right motives. But what happens so oftentimes is when we fall into that trap, we fall into the name it and claim it, and it is ours, the prosperity gospel, so to speak. And we fall into that trap of saying, all right, God, you owe this to me because I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. And so you owe it to me. And again, we're making it about us and not about God. And that's why the fourth thing that God says about Scripture is so important. The fourth thing that matters to God when we pray is God's will. God's will. God's will matters. In 1 John chapter 5. So John wrote the book of John. Not a trick question. John wrote the book of John. He also wrote um, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. They're towards the end of the Bible. He actually wrote the last book of the Bible called Revelation as well. But in the book of 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, it says, This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. We can't just go to God and demand that he gives us what we want. We have to go to him according to his will, not ours. And so oftentimes, that's where we get messed up with all of this. Because we're like, God, I prayed, I, I did it, I did it the way you asked me to. When we prayed for Pastor Mark to get healed, we prayed in Jesus' name. We prayed with faith. Our relationships were good. But he took him home to be with Jesus because that's what God's will was. And I don't always understand God's will in my life. But I know that there's no sweeter place to be. Because when we are where God wants us to be, that's living in the sweet spot. That's where we succeed. In God's will, not ours. And it's so hard for us to understand. Last week, as I talked about living in the sweet spot, I talked about remaining in Jesus. We were reading John chapter 15, and I came across a verse in John 15, 7 and 8, and it said, But if you remain in me and in my words remain in you, you may ask for anything that you want, and it will be granted. You will produce much fruit. You are my true disciples. This brings glory to my Father. Again, God answers prayer for him, not for us, and for his glory, not for our glory. But if, again, if we look at the context of why God answers prayer, it is for his glory 
and not for ours. And when I when I think about prayer, I cannot pray that I cannot preach this message without sharing with you one of my favorite Bible verses when it comes to prayer. And that is Psalm chapter 37, verse 4. It says this, because this makes it all make sense. This, this, it just makes all the sense in the world to me. It says, take delight in the ways of the Lord. Take delight in the ways of the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Talk about a catch-22. Like, God, I have all these desires. I, 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 want, I want all these things. But God says, Adam, do you want what I want? Because when you want what I want, when you pray what I want, when you find happiness and delight in my answer, that's when I answer your prayer. That's when I give you what you want. But your heart has to align with me and my will. Not you and yours. Because if your heart aligned with your, with, with, with your desire and your will, then that would make you God and not me. That would mean that you're holding on to your heart. And you're not fully surrendered. If we want God to answer our prayer, we have to live in a place of surrender. So, in this moment, as we begin to reflect on prayer, we begin to reflect on God's word and how we look at it, I want to ask you to do me a favor. Close your, close your eyes, bow your heads. Just real quick, no one go to sleep on me now. Almost done. There are things that happen in our lives that are difficult for us to understand. But we don't have to understand them. All we have to understand is that it was God's will for it to happen. And we have to find a way to surrender to his will. You see, God, God knows exactly what it feels like. To have to do something that is difficult. To have to surrender. You see, the Bible says in John 3.16, the most popular verse in all the Bible, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Because I'm a father, I understand exactly how difficult it was for God to surrender his son for you. It wasn't easy. So God gave his only son that whosoever shall put their faith in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And putting our faith in Jesus is complete surrender to God's will. Complete surrender to follow him. And when we surrender to follow him, he promises us eternal life in return. Because God always, always, always rewards our obedience. So if you're here and you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus, I want you to know that he gave his all so that you would. He gave his life on a cross, a brutal, brutal death, 
He was buried in this tomb that belonged to us because the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So the cost for our sin is eternal separation from God. The cost of our sin is death. Except that God gives us a gift. It's the gift of his son. If you would like to receive that gift today, I want to ask you as boldly as you can, with all the courage in your heart, if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor Adam, I would like to do that today. Is there anyone like that? Anyone like that at all? Pastor Adam, I would like to give my heart to Jesus. I would like to live in surrender. So the question now is, Christian, how are you doing with surrendering your prayers to God's will? How are you doing with living according to God's will, with surrender? How many say, Pastor Adam, just by slipping up your hand, Pastor Adam, there are things that I've been praying for that I just need to stop asking God for what I want and put it in terms of what he wants. Is there anyone like that at all? Say, Pastor Adam, I, I need to surrender to God's will. Thank you. Hands everywhere. And maybe prayer has been something that's hung you up on believing in God and you're still not sure. I want you to know that God can be trusted. God can be trusted. His will can be trusted. Even though we don't understand it, it can be trusted. Because he's proven it can be trusted. I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to pray for those that do not know God and that will come to know him because of this service. I'm going to say a prayer for those of you that struggle with his will. Then we're going to sing one last song together and then we'll be dismissed. God, thank you so much your word. Thank you that you, you hear our prayers. Thank you, God, that you can be trusted. Father, if there's anyone here today that has not received you as their Savior, has not gone into full surrender to you, Father, I pray that they wouldn't leave this place without talking with our prayer team members that are here at, this, at the front of the stage that would love to help them and to show them how to follow Jesus, that they would stop by the next step station and see Marcel and Amy, and that they would be able to lead them to follow you. And Father, anyone else that has any prayer needs, I pray that you would give them the courage to come forward and to share it with the people at the front of the stage, that we could pray together, because God, when we pray together, You hear our prayer. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So God, I pray for those that raise their hands and say, there are things in my life that I'm praying for that I have to surrender to God. And I have to start praying that his will be done, not mine. Lord, help us to see you as God and not us as God. Help us to live in full surrender of your will. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet and give God a hand for what he has done today? Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's sing this song together.